you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, we thank you for the people gathered in this room. God, and I just pray that you may open our hearts today, what you may have to say through me. May I be a vessel, God, to uh, your truth and your love. And uh, yeah, we just give you thanks for this worship, um, and we give you this in your name. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Justin Kineshoff. I'm one of the elders here at Discovery, and I have the privilege of uh, talking with you this morning as we re-engage in the practices uh, conversation. Before I get started, though, uh, just a little update. The interns who uh, are going to Spain this week did arrive, um, so be praying for them this week as they uh, enter into that community there, and also pray that they may come back next weekend. Uh, I'm a California transplant, originally from Michigan. I have four siblings, uh, all older and shorter than I am. <laughs> Michigan is where most of my extended family is from. My family operated a 350-acre... Uh. <laughs> there we go. Thank you, Trevor. 350-acre uh, farm that had corn, soybeans, wheat, and some livestock, including pigs, a few cows, and sheep for the fair a horse, some chickens, and a stubborn old crusty goat. We knew our neighbors, and they knew us, and it never really felt like we were far from someone if we ever needed help. My dad would describe Michigan as claustrophobic. He'd say there are too many trees and too many people. When I was 13, we moved from Michigan to Wyoming, where we lived on a 9,000-acre buffalo ranch, roughly about 14 square miles. I still remember getting there for the first time. It felt like it took forever to get there. We drove on dirt roads for miles. From the house, you couldn't see another house in any direction. And our nearest neighbor was miles away. The sky was incredible, but the silence was deafening at first. But I got used to it. That place was isolated, and you really felt like you were alone. It was right up my dad's alley. I remember I remember things that my brother and I used to do on that ranch. There was a rattlesnake den not too far from our house, so we'd take our pellet guns and we'd go hunting for rattlesnakes. But if we'd ever gotten bit, we'd been in big trouble. But you don't really think about things that could go wrong when you're young. I enjoyed Wyoming at first, but then I started to get bullied at school and really regretted going every single day. Thankfully, we only lived there for about a year and a half. Then we moved to North Dakota to another buffalo ranch. That one was about 23,000 square, uh, 23,000 acres, which is about 36 square miles. And for the longest time, it was my dream to live like this. In the middle of nowhere, I wanted nothing more than to live on my own expensive property with my dog, my hobbies, and nobody else. And when I talk about my experiences of living in the middle of nowhere, I think a lot of people would assume that I experienced solitude during those years. But that's not really what the biblical idea of solitude is all about, which is our conversation for this morning. I would say that I had a lot of time being alone during those years, but being alone doesn't equate to solitude. When we're talking about solitude, it's more about being with yourself than actually being by yourself. 
Over time, I've come to appreciate this distinction and I'm growing more and more comfortable with the practices of both solitude and silence. To understand what solitude is and how we can practice it, we can look at how Jesus engaged in it. Matthew 14, 23 says, After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Luke 4, 42. Early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place. Luke 5, 15. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Luke 9, 18. One day, Jesus left the crowds to pray alone. And Luke 22, 41. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. So Jesus engaged in the practice of solitude on a regular basis. He knew he needed to be in solitude to sustain his daily life. I mean, the practice seems pretty simple, doesn't it? Jesus went out to a quiet place and sometimes prayed. That doesn't sound too hard. But if you and I are honest, we have some barriers that are preventing us from entering into this practice. The older I get, the harder it is for me to even think about entering into solitude. One reason is, the older I get, the more fractured my attention becomes. I feel like there are way too many things vying for my attention. And as my attention becomes more fractured, the more tired, fatigued, and inattentive to the needs of my own body that I become. And I bet if we took a poll in this room, many of us would feel the same way. I mean, raise your hand right now if you could use a nap. Yeah, I could too. And there are a lot of reasons for us being so tired. Our Western culture definitely values productivity over rest and relaxation. It's seen as a good thing if you have a full schedule. But is it really? We just accept that our present circumstances are the way that it has to be and the way that it always has been. But it hasn't always been this way. In his book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John Mark Comer talks about how time has sped up and how there were specific moments in history that have linked to create the fast-paced world we live in now. One of the more important moments was when clocks were put up in public. Before, people paid more attention to their bodies than they did the clock. Another was when Edison invented the light bulb, which now enables us to stay up well past sunset and get up before sunrise. Then, of course, we jump a few years to 2007, a year compared to 1448 when Gutenberg invented the printing press. Steve Jobs released the iPhone. And two other notable events that happened during that time include Facebook opening up to anyone with an email address and Twitter becoming its own platform, or X. And just earlier this month, Apple released the Apple Vision Pro, an augmented reality headset to create spatial computing, the beginnings of how Iron Man interacted with his machines in, uh, in the Marvel movies. And let's not even talk about the internet. The thing toted up to increase our well-being has made us more busy, more tired, and more anxious. And the thing that's being lost to technological advancement is our well-being. We aren't taking the time to pay attention to our bodies and starting to pay the price. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Our bodies are a temple to meet with God. If we're honest with ourselves, how do we feel about being able to meet with, our bodies, with God in our bodies at this moment? 
And the big C church isn't helping with this either. It's played a part in putting mandates on people's time. Seems like there's always more ways to engage at church. Service on Sundays, small group on Mondays, men's women's ministry on Tuesday, ministry meeting on Wednesday, prayer meeting on Thursday. You get the picture. The church feeds on the idea that the only way to encounter God is in community. And while community is definitely a place to experience God, it is not the only place. At Discovery, we've tried to intentionally create spaces for us to engage with those around us. And it's an adjustment for most Christians to who have been in a church for any length of time or college ministry. We think that we, if we don't have a lot of Christian activities filling our schedules, we're doing something wrong and that God probably isn't going to be able to show up. At Discovery, we have a value about creating space to engage in regular life activities called fun as spiritual. It means that activities outside these walls, such as kid activities, sport leagues, hanging with coworkers and neighbors, and engaging in self-care rhythms are in fact spiritual, and God is already working in each of these areas. But it's not all of society's and not all of the church's fault that I struggle with this practice. I have my own issues with sitting still long enough to be in solitude. If I, sit, if I sit still for too long, I get fidgety and feel like I need to do something, which goes back to me not being able to be comfortable sitting with myself. I have no problem being by myself. My therapist recently summed me up pretty well by identifying that I like to keep moving so that I'm distracted from what's actually going on within me. And if I'm honest, loneliness is a struggle for me. When I started following Jesus in my mid-20s, I got involved with my first small group, and I became very attached to that group. I did everything with them and formed some tight bonds with them. But some of the reason that I spent so much time with them was because I was lonely. I finally had close friends and wanted to spend all my time with them. When I was sitting at home, I felt alone. But I, when I was with my friends, I felt more secure. That's concerning. In his book, Life Together, Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes, let him who cannot be alone beware of community. Let him who is not in community beware of being alone. Each by itself has profound pitfalls and perils. One who wants fellowship without solitude plunges into the void of words and feelings and one who seeks solitude without fellowship perishes into the abyss of vanity, self-infatuation, and despair. Bottom line is, we need both. Since my experience with that small group, I've learned to cultivate my own identity apart from others. But it's not like I no longer feel any loneliness. Just last month, as I was mourning some close friends who had moved on, I had a deep realization that I, don't, that I don't really have many close friends in my stage of life. I don't have many men in my life who are 40, married, and without kids. If I want to go see a movie, hang out, or just shoot the breeze, most of the men in my life have lives that revolve around their kids. It's not something I hold against my friends, but as someone who cannot have their own, it's lonely. 
In his book, Reaching Out, Henry Nouwen states, to live a spiritual life, we must first find the courage to enter into the desert of our loneliness and to change it by gentle and persistent efforts into a garden of solitude. This requires not only courage, but also a strong faith. I love that language, garden of solitude. I don't do New Year's resolutions. Instead, I have a word or two that I use to describe the year. For me, 2024's words are organization and introspection. Relating specifically to introspection, I'm at a time in my life when I'm ready to dig deep and identify my motivations and my emotions. And I'm discovering that I have a lot of deep shame that I didn't really know existed, mainly because I buried it, which I'm really good at doing. And in my emotions, I'm really good at burying those. I also find that this practice of solitude fits right in with this season of my life. A practice that I've engaged in over the last two years is spiritual direction. In this practice, you meet with a spiritual director who helps you to see how God is moving in your life. They help you by asking questions and guiding you in spiritual practices. In a recent session, I was talking to my spiritual director about solitude and how I struggle with being with myself. As we engaged in that discernment, I got this message that I am worthy of God's attention. Even when I don't want to spend time with myself, God wants to spend time with me. And getting started with the practice of solitude isn't particularly difficult. Some authors say that to practice solitude, you need to go to the mountains or the ocean or a lake and spend an extended time away from everything. Personally, I think this is a bit unrealistic for most of us, and it builds too big of a barrier for us to enter into it. Most of us would likely say, there's no way I can leave everything and go away for the weekend. That also feels kind of selfish. What about my family? Not to mention, if I have a problem being with myself for any length of time, why in the world would I want to go out to a remote place to spend even more time with myself? The last couple of months, I've started doing something I swore I would never do, work out in a group. I started doing CrossFit, and I liken the practice of solitude to the practice of building muscle. It takes time. My first CrossFit session, I had no delusions that I'd be able to walk in and lift 250 pounds on my first try. No, if I did, I'd likely hurt myself and be unable to exercise for a long time after. Same with this practice. If we go into this practice, think that we'll be able to get away for the weekend in nature and believe that we will achieve solitude nirvana, we're delusional. Likely what would happen is that we'd go away, feel guilty about going away, not fully engaged with the practice, and walk away from the weekend feeling like we, it was a waste of time, that we failed at yet another thing, and likely be scarred enough to not try again. I think there's a better way. Start small. Start with five minutes. And if that sounds like a long time, do three minutes. When you feel like time zipped by, increase it next time. But you might be asking yourself, Justin, what exactly are we doing? 
nothing. We are sitting, we are relaxing into this space and welcoming God into that space. That's it. As my spiritual director often reminds me, there's no work for you to do. But here are a few steps that you can take. One, find a quiet place. Two, get comfortable. Three, identify a word that you can use to center your mind on God. This word can change over time. Examples of words that I've used include patience, center, peace, and love. And when your mind inevitably wanders, use that word to re-engage. Four, set a timer for your allotted time, then invite God into that space. And last, when the timer ends, close with a short prayer or scripture. And spoiler alert, your mind will wander. That's okay. Just use your word to bring your mind back and don't judge yourself. As we come into a landing here, I'd like to ask the worship band to come back. I wish that I could stand here today and tell you that my life has been completely changed by this practice. I wish that I could tell you that I'm able to spend 20 minutes or more in silence and solitude and be completely focused on, that God, on, on God during that time. But I can't. I can't spend five minutes in solitude without being distracted at some point. But I can tell you that in the times that I am distracted, I feel like God experiences me as a distracted child. He's not disappointed that I'm distracted, but has continual patience with me. I believe that God experiences joy when we choose to spend that time with him. I can also tell you that solitude has become a safe space for me. God fully knows me much better than I know myself. He knows the things I've done. He knows the things I've said. And he still accepts me. He sees me as someone who is worthy of his attention. That's the God that I want to spend more time with. He loved all of us so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And we get to remember this each week as we get to participate in the holy rhythm of communion together. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26 says, The Lord Jesus, of the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We have tables scattered about the room with the elements. We'll also have people available for prayer on the sides of the theater. When you're ready, come and eat. Pray with me. Father, we give you thanks for... Yeah, just what you're doing in our lives, Lord. Um, God, we pray for each of us as we engage in this practice, Lord, that you may just help us to have grace with ourselves. God, I pray that you may help us to experience you in a new way. Um, 
Help us to have grace with ourselves, God, when our mind wanders and we just wonder what the heck is this even doing? Give us patience. We also, Lord, pray for uh, you to help us encourage each other today. Give us words of encouragement, Lord, and life. We thank you for this day in Christ's name. Amen.